You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. If you've got your Bibles there, please go ahead and open them to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And as you're turning to Romans chapter 6, I'd like to share with you a story about a man that I used to know, uh, who I love dearly. And this is a man who grew up just down the road from here in Hamilton, and he grew up in the Great Depression. And like a lot of brave men who grew up in the, uh, the Great Depression, he, he enlisted right away, he volunteered right away when World War II broke out. And for the duration of World War II, he literally served right on the front lines in Europe uh, as a medic, seeing horror that we cannot even begin to imagine. So much so that when he returned from the war, he just could not function. He could not function in society. His mind was so fixed on all the suffering that he had seen. And so his wife took him to the doctor. And the treatment in those days for his condition was electric shock therapy. And so this man underwent over 50 sessions of electric shock therapy. And not only did he forget the war, but he forgot his address, he forgot his name, he forgot who he was, he even forgot his wife. He completely lost his identity for a season. He did not know who he was. Now imagine trying to live day to day and and you don't know who you are. Let me suggest to you that spiritually, spiritually there are many of us here right now that are in in a similar condition because we don't know who we are in Christ. We know that we've been saved in Christ, but we don't really know who we are in Christ. And so we try to, we're trying to live our Christian lives day to day, and we don't really know who we are. And this is a huge deal. This is a huge deal because we can't be who God is calling us to be in Christ, and we can't do what God is calling us to do in Christ if we don't first know who we are in Christ. Christ. And today in Romans chapter 6, God is going to show us who we are in Christ so that we can be who he wants us to be in Christ and we can do what he wants us to do in Christ, which is this, to walk in newness of life. God is calling us today each one of us, in Christ to walk in newness of life, which is another way of saying this. It's another way that God is calling us again to follow Christ. It's another way that again he is calling us to be Christ followers. So have a look down at Romans chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to read all the way through uh, to verse 13. And this is a weighty text. 
This is a, a heavy text, and there's a really good reason why. All right, let's look down. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 13. Paul says this. He says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were baptized, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Wow. Verse 7. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So I'd love to keep going, but that's a, a, weighty, a weighty text for us uh, tonight. And, and there's a reason why it feels so weighty. And here's the reason why. Because it is so full of blessing for our lives tonight. So full of blessing for my life. So full of blessing for your life. As God shows us through Romans chapter 6, how to walk in newness of life in Jesus Christ. So without further ado, let's jump right into our first point, which is this. If I want to walk in newness of life in Christ, I must know who I am in Christ. If I want to walk in newness of life in Christ, I must first know who I am in Christ. Have a look back at verse 1. Paul says this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, why is Paul asking this question? Well, well here's why. Because he's just spent five chapters uh, taking his readers through the gospel, beginning in chapter one with the bad news. And here's the bad news, that apart from Jesus Christ, we all stand condemned before God. Apart from Jesus Christ, we all stand guilty before God. And apart from Jesus Christ, we all face the eternal wrath of God for punishment for our sin because we are all sinners. And there's nothing that we can do to change that. There's nothing that we can do to make ourselves somehow righteous before God. There's nothing that we can do to somehow make ourselves sinless and perfect in the sight of God. Nothing. But then Paul explains the gospel. 
He explains the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's have a look at Romans chapter 3, verse 21 up on the screen. But now... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. So somehow there's this this righteousness that is not dependent on our performance. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, made right with God by his grace as a gift through the redemption of God. That is in Jesus Christ. Meaning, meaning, the moment, the moment that you place your faith in Jesus Christ, the moment that you believe that God the Father sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to make full payment for your sin, the moment you truly believe is the moment that you are united to Jesus Christ. And that's a great place for an amen. The moment, the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ and you truly believe is the moment that you are united, united to Jesus Christ. And the moment that you become united to him is the moment that your sin, my sin, our our past sin and our present sin and our future sin is is transferred, is credited to Jesus Christ on the cross. And and not only that, but then his, his perfect righteousness, his perfect obedience is credited to to our account as though we did it. So that if you are in Jesus Christ, then God can pull his file on you. I happen to have your your file right here. Uh, Your name is right here on it. And so if you are in Jesus Christ, God can pull his file on you. And if he opens up his file, I see two columns. There is a a sin column and there is an obedience column. And I'm just going to go ahead and read the sin column. I hope that's okay. We're all family here, right? We can be vulnerable and transparent. So I'm going to go ahead and read the sin column in Jesus Christ. Here's what it says. Nothing. There's nothing here. Because all of your sin, past, present, and future was credited, transferred to Jesus Christ on the cross. But then there's the obedience side. I'll go ahead and read that. It says, love for God, perfect. Love for neighbor, perfect. Not because of anything that you've done but because the perfect record of Jesus Christ's obedience has been credited to your file, stapled to your file. So now this is your legal standing before God, sinless and righteous in the sight of God in Jesus Christ. And so now here's the response that Paul is anticipating to this gospel. He's anticipating that someone might say, well, if I'm righteous in Christ, does that mean that I can then go live in sin? Someone might even point to what Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Here's what he said. He said, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And so, so Paul's anticipating that some of his hearers might say, well, If where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, then why don't I go live maximally sinful? Because then as I I sin, then God's grace will be magnified and, and people will see God's grace and I'm justified anyway, so I'll be good. So anticipating this kind of response to the gospel, Paul asks this question. Look again at verse one. He says, what shall we say then? 
Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And then he answers this question in verses 2 through 4. Look at verse 2. By no means. So should we continue in sin? Paul says, no, absolutely we should not. And here's his reasoning. Here's his reasoning. And we're going to go through this step by step by step over the next few minutes. So let's have a look at verse 2. He says, by no means. Now here's his reasoning why. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So again, it's kind of weighty, isn't it? But it's so weighty because it's so full of blessing. It's so full of blessing for our lives because God wants to show us how to walk in newness of life in Jesus Christ. So what is Paul actually saying here? What does Paul mean in verse 2 when he says that you as a believer died to sin so that you can't live in it anymore? What does Paul mean in verse 3 when he says that you were baptized into Christ and baptized into his death? What does Paul mean in verse 4 when he says that you were buried with him so that you might walk in newness of life? Well, this is what he means. He means that the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you become united to Jesus Christ in such a way that Jesus Christ becomes your representative before God. Another way of saying this is the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you become united to him. God God baptizes you into Jesus Christ. He fully immerses you into Jesus Christ so that he becomes your representative before God. And this union, this union with Christ is the most important thing in the world to the Apostle Paul. He's talk, he just talks about it all the time. Over 200 times in Paul's letters, he makes reference to union with Christ. He says things like, in Christ and in him and in the Lord. And the reason why Paul's always, always, always talking about union with Christ is because it is so vitally important. If you are here and you are in Christ, that is the most important thing about you. That is the most foundational, most fundamental truth about who you are. You are in Christ. And because you are in Christ, he is your representative before God. And so what does it mean that Jesus Christ is our representative before God? Well, it means this. It means that when Jesus Christ died on the cross in the economy of God, you died on the cross in him because he is your representative. And when Jesus Christ was buried, you were buried in him because he is your representative. And when Jesus Christ rose up from the grave, you rose up to new life in him because Jesus Christ is your representative. This is what Paul means when he said that you died to sin and you were baptized into Christ and you were baptized into his death and you were buried with him so that you can walk in newness of life. He is talking about your union with Christ, that God put you into Christ. 
So question, if God put you into Christ, where were you before that? Because, because if we were put into Christ, then there, there must have been a time when we weren't in Christ, right? So where were we when we weren't in Christ? Well, Romans chapter 5 tells us that we were in Adam, that we were in Adam. We were in the first man, meaning we, are, we were united to Adam. We weren't united to Christ. We were united to Adam. Adam was our representative before God. And all of us, all of us were in Adam. All of us were united to Adam. And, and, and if, if you are united to Adam, if you are in him, you are also enslaved to sin. Because everyone who is born into Adam is born a slave to sin. Therefore, all of us were born slaves. Born enslaved to sin. Now, let's have a look at this visually and see if we can understand it a little bit more. And so, and so here's where we started. We started right here in Adam. And so if you've got a Sharpie, you just could kind of write on the screen your name. Don't do that. Don't do that. But, but you could, okay? You could write your name right here because this is where we all started. So I could write Nathan right here in Adam. And you could write your name right there. This is where we started in Adam. And, and everyone who is in Adam is a slave of sin. Romans 6.17 says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. So if you are born into Adam, you are born a slave of sin. But if you are now in Christ, then something happened. And here's what happened. The Spirit of God moved upon you, and you believed, you, you heard the gospel, you believed the gospel, you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, here's what happened. God took you out of Adam, and he put you into Christ. So you scratch your name off here and write your name in here. You are now in Christ. And if you are in Christ, that means you are in Christ in his crucifixion. And so God counts the crucifixion of Jesus as, as happening to you. So you were crucified. If you are in Christ, then you are in Christ in his death. And God counts the death of Jesus as happening to you. So you died. And if you are in Jesus Christ, you are in him in his burial. And God counts the burial of Jesus as taking place with you. So you were buried. And if you are in Jesus Christ then you are in him, in his resurrection, and you have been raised up to new life in him. Praise the Lord. So if you are in Christ, think about this. If you are in Christ, then the slave of sin in Adam that you used to be is dead, is buried, is crucified with Christ. And now a new creation has been raised up and that's who you are. You are a new creation. And Paul says, we're supposed to know this. We're supposed to know about this. Look again at verse three. Paul says, do you not know? I love the way Paul talks. He's like, do you not know this? You're supposed to be common knowledge. Why don't you know this? He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. So consider it. If you are in Christ, then the old you, the slave of sin in Adam, is dead. 
Let that sink in. If you are in Christ, the slave of sin that you used to be in Adam is dead, gone, buried forever. That person is never coming back. So you may have the same body that person used to have. You may have the same memories that that person used to have. You may have the same driver's license, the same clothes, the same spouse, the same job, the same house that person used to have, but that person is dead. That person is gone. That person is never coming back. So what does this mean? Here's what it means. It means that because of your union with Christ in his death and in his resurrection, the power of sin has been broken in your life forever because the slave of sin is dead. You are now a new creation, no longer enslaved to sin, raised up to walk in newness of life. That's who you are. This is your identity. Now let me ask you, is this how you think about yourself? Because here's what God is saying to us. If you are in Christ, if you've placed your faith in him, then you are a new creation and you are no longer enslaved to sin and you have been raised up to walk in newness of life. And this isn't some kind of form of therapeutic self-talk where we're trying to talk ourselves into believing something that isn't actually true. Okay, this is the complete opposite of that. This is the truth, right from Romans uh, chapter six. God is telling us who we are and we need to listen to God. We need to listen to God. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation, no longer enslaved to sin and raised up to walk in newness of life. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I need to hear this like a thousand times a day. You are, I am not the old person. I, I, I died. I am, I am a new creation raised up. If you see me in the hallway, tell me that. I need to hear it like a thousand times a day, all right? Now, armed with this truth, armed with this truth, Let's look again at Paul's logic here. Look again at verse one. Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And so here's Paul's logic. He says, if you are in Christ, then the old you is dead. The slave of sin is dead. And so now he asks in verse two, how can we, how can we, this is us, how can we who died to sin still live in it? In other words, if you are no longer a slave, then you won't live like a slave. If you are no longer a slave of sin, then you're no longer going to live like a slave of sin because that's not who you are. You are a new creation, no longer enslaved to sin and raised up to walk in newness of life. Have a look at verse four. Paul continues, he says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So, so if you are in Christ, then you didn't just die in him, but you have been raised up a new creation in him. And there's a reason. So that, here's the reason. So that you may be empowered by the spirit of God to walk in newness of life. Now let's consider this for a second. Let's just pause here. 
If you are in Christ, you have been united to Christ. And so who is Christ? He is God. You have been united to God. You have been united to the one who created everything. John 1.3 says uh, that through him all things were made. And you've been united to him. I mean, think about that. You've been united to the one who is all-powerful and, and you are indwelt also by the Spirit of God. And so you are in Christ and, and Christ is in you. You are in God and God is in you. It's kind of like this. You, you are in Christ and then, and, then, and then God is in you. I mean, could we be any more united to God than this? We are in God, and God is in us. It's awesome. And because of this, there is infinite power available to us in Christ to walk in newness of life. Because it's the power of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. And so the power to walk in newness of life, or we could say the power to walk in holiness, or the power to walk in love, or the power to walk in obedience, or the power to be a Christ follower, it flows to us through that union, that vital union with Christ through the Holy Spirit. And Paul continues to develop this even further. Have a look at verse 5. Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, Point to the one who has died. Us, right? If you are in Jesus Christ, you should be pointing to you. Maybe the person beside you is in Christ too. You can point to them, right? But, but if you are in Christ, you should be pointing to you. You died in that truth right there. Have a look at verse seven. Verse seven, one who has died has been set free from sin. That truth right there that we died and therefore have been set free from the power of sin, if that is truly received by faith, is an absolute game changer in the Christian life. I don't know another truth that has had such a profound impact on me personally since I got saved. That we are in Christ and we have been set free from sin and now we are alive and can walk in newness of life. This is who we are. God is telling us right now who we are. Will we receive it by faith? God is telling us that we, that we have been set free from sin. We are new creations. We have been set free from slavery. But will we believe it? Because as we truly believe it, that's when power, that's when the power of God flows to us from the Spirit of God, empowering us now to walk in newness of life. Therefore, we must believe God. We must take God at his word when he's telling us who we are if we want to be empowered by the Spirit of God to walk in newness of life. 
you can think of it kind of like this. You may have an electrical outlet in your house and you don't think it works. So you walk past it all the time, never, never plug anything into it. You just see it all the time. You walk past it for years. You just walk past it. But then one day someone comes over and they're like, hey, why don't you ever use that, that socket right there? And, and you say, well, just because it doesn't work. And they say, what? I plug my phone into that thing all the time. It totally works. And then when you know it works and you believe it works, that's when you actually take the plug and plug into the socket and you begin to benefit from the power flowing through that socket. Likewise, likewise, the more we plug our faith into who God says we are in Jesus Christ, the more we will be empowered by God to walk in newness of life and follow Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We must believe God when he tells us who we are in him. We are new creations, no longer enslaved to sin and raised up to walk in newness of life. That's who we are. Now have a look at verse eight. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus Christ died on a cross to make full payment for our sin. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. He is now risen. He is alive. He is ruling. He is reigning. He is enthroned. He is glorious. He is awesome. And you are united to him. You are united to the one who will never, ever die. Therefore, you will never die. Think of it like this. If, you, if there are these train cars sitting on a train track, but there's no engine there, then these train cars are just sitting there and they can't move. They can't do anything because there's no engine. They're just sitting there, these tons of steel just rusting out. But when the engine of the train comes and connects to the train cars, then that engine can pull those train cars right across the country. Likewise, likewise, when we get connected to Jesus Christ, he pulls us down into his crucifixion and down into his death and down into his burial and then up into his resurrection and up into eternal life where we will be with him forever because we are united to the one who will never die. Therefore, we will never die. Awesome, awesome. And because, because we are united to the one who will never die, it is time for us to truly live. It is time for us to walk in newness of life. And how do we do that? Well, here's how. Here's how we obey verse 11. Verse 11. And verse 11 is the first instruction for us in Romans chapter 6. Up until this point, Paul's been focusing on, on who we are in Christ. He wants us to know who we are in Christ, but now he's moving from who we are in Christ to what we ought to be doing in Christ. So what must we do? Have a look at verse 11. So you also must 
must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's go through this one word at a time. He says, you must, you must. So whatever he's about to say next in verse 11 is a non-negotiable if we want to walk in newness of life. You must, he says, and then he says, you must consider This is the first thing that Paul instructs us to do. Consider. Consider. That means we need to think hard about something. We need to deeply meditate on something. We need to really seek to understand something. What is it? He says you must consider yourselves. we, We need to think of ourselves in a very specific way. We must. It's a non negotiable if we want to walk in newness of life. So, how must we? Think about ourselves. Look at verse 11. You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And not only is this the first command in Romans chapter 6, but this is actually the first command in the whole book of Romans. This is the first command in the whole book of Romans, and it's a command to think about ourselves a certain way. I find that absolutely fascinating. The first command in the book of Romans is is for us to think of ourselves a certain way. Paul is saying we must do this. It's a non-negotiable if we're going to walk in newness of life. We must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. So question, are you doing this? Am I I doing this? Do Do you think this way? Do we even kind of have a category for this in our thinking? Do you think about yourself as dead to sin and alive to God? Do you think about yourself as, as, as no longer enslaved to sin? This, the slave has been killed. Do you think about yourself as a new creation raised up to walk in newness of life? Because God is telling us right now through his word, this is who we are. We are dead to sin and alive to God. So could it be, based on the truth of verse 11, could it be that one of the biggest reasons that you and I struggle so much with sin is that we don't know who we are as we ought to know? Could it it be that one of the biggest reasons you and I struggle so much with sin is because we don't think about ourselves as dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ? And could it be, could it be that significant life change is literally right around the corner for so many of us today, including myself, as we choose to think of ourselves more and more as dead to sin and alive to God because this is who we are in Jesus Christ. So let's get practical, let's get personal, let's get dead specific. What is that persistent sin in your life and it just needs to die? What is that persistent sin in your life and it, it just it needs to die? Is it selfishness? Yes. 
Yes. Is it some form of self-indulgence, indulging in food, alcohol, entertainment, luxury, materialism? Is it some form of self-indulgence? Is it some form of self-glory? Seeking after the approval of man and wanting to be noticed and seen and respected and recognized? Is it seeking self-glory? Is it some form of self-preservation, seeking safety at all costs, doing anything you can to avoid any kind of suffering at all? Is it some form of self-preservation? Selfishness, self-glory, self-indulgence, self-preservation, all of the above? But let's be specific. What is that persistent sin in your life that it just needs to die? What is it? Because if you are in Jesus Christ, you are not a slave of that. In fact, in fact, you are dead to that. You are dead to that. Let that sink in. You are dead to that because the slave of sin in Adam was killed in Jesus Christ. And therefore, you are no longer enslaved to sin. So that doesn't mean we're never going to struggle with sin. That's not what it means at all. Of course we will. But it means this, that the more and more we know who we are in Christ, that we are dead to sin and alive to God, the, the more we will have increasing victory in our lives over sin because we know who we are. We are dead to sin and alive to God. And maybe you're thinking, I, I, I'm believing this, but how does that trickle down from my brain and get into my heart? And how does that sort of work its way out in my life, especially in the midst of temptation? Well, that leads us right into our second and our final point today, which is this. If I want to walk in newness of life in Christ, I must present myself to Christ. If I want to walk in newness of life in Christ, I must present myself to Christ. Have a look at verse 12. Verse 12, Paul continues, he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Let not sin, notice he says therefore, referring back to verse 11, that we are, we are dead to sin and alive to God. So because of that, he says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. The sin within us has passions. It has desires. And so ultimately, what does sin want? Here's what sin wants. It wants to rule over your body. Sin wants to reign over our bodies. But the only way that sin can rule over our bodies, because we're no longer enslaved to sin, the only way sin can rule over our bodies is if we choose to give ourselves over to it. That's the only way. There's no other way for sin to rule over us other than if we choose, if we're in Christ, to, to choose to surrender to it. That's the only way. And so what should we do instead of that? We'll have a look at verse 13. Verse 13, Paul says, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But notice this, he says, Present yourselves to God 
And how should we present ourselves to God? He says, as those who have been brought from death to life. So firstly, do not present your members to sin, meaning the only way sin can rule over us if we're in Christ is if we choose to give ourselves over to it. And why on earth would we ever do that? Why on earth would we ever present ourselves to sin? Why would we give ourselves over to sin? Why would we choose to do that? Here's why. Because sin promises satisfaction. Otherwise, sin wouldn't be appealing to us. Sin promises satisfaction. But here's the truth. Sin promises satisfaction, but it delivers misery wrapped in a fleeting pleasure. Sin promises satisfaction, but it delivers misery wrapped in a fleeting pleasure. There is a fleeting pleasure in sin. There is. That's why it's appealing to us. There's a fleeting pleasure in sin. There's kind of a a candy coating around it. But when that candy coating is shattered, that's when it releases the misery and the spiritual devastation upon our hearts and lives and the lives of those around us. So when sin comes knocking, when sin comes knocking on our door, offering us misery wrapped in some fleeting pleasure, we must refuse to answer the door. And we refuse to answer the door, not just by trying really hard, but by obeying verse 13. Have a look again at verse 13. Paul says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God, notice, as those who have been brought from death to life. In other words, present yourself to God as one who knows who they are. And so the way that we resist sin is first by remembering who we are in Christ. Remembering that we've been brought from death to life. Remembering that we are dead to sin and we are alive to God and remembering who we are united to. We are united to Christ. We are united to the greatest treasure in the whole universe. We are united to love incarnate. We are united to the one who is able to empower us to walk in newness of life. Therefore, we resist sin by remembering who we are and remembering who we are united to and then by presenting ourselves to him. Verse 13. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And so how do we present ourselves to God? Well, we present ourselves to God by presenting our entire selves to God, meaning we present our hearts to God and we present our bodies to God. We present our hearts to be filled by God and we present our bodies to be used by God for his glory. So we present our hearts to be filled and we present our bodies to be used for his glory. And we present ourselves to God by first going to God. If we're going to present ourselves to God, we first need to go to God. And how do we go to God? Well, we go to God in prayer. 
we go to God in prayer. And then we present our hearts to him, asking him to fill us and empower us to walk in newness of life. This is how we present ourselves to God. We go to God and we ask him to fill us and empower us to walk in newness of life. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, a vessel that is not presented will not be filled. A vessel that is not presented will not be filled. If you are thirsty and you have a cup, and there's someone over here with a pitcher of water, and they want to pour the water in the cup because you're thirsty, but you are unwilling to present the cup to be filled, then your cup is not going to be filled. If you are hungry and you have a plate, and there's someone over here who wants to put food on your plate, but you are unwilling to present your plate to be filled, then your plate is not going to be filled. Likewise, if we want to be filled with the Spirit of God so that we can walk in newness of life, we must present ourselves to God. We must ask Him to fill us with His Spirit and empower us to walk in newness of life. Have a look again at verse 13, and we'll close here. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And notice this, and your members to God, our bodies to God, as instruments for righteousness. So when sin, when sin knocks on the door, when selfishness and self-indulgence and, and self-preservation and self-glory is knocking on the door in the midst of that temptation, here's what we do. Firstly, Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You are dead to sin and alive to God. You are a new creation, no longer enslaved to that sin, but now raised up to walk in newness of life. Secondly, remember who you're united to. You are united to Christ. You are united to the only one who can satisfy your soul. You are united to the only one who has all power and can empower you to walk in newness of life. And now thirdly, present yourself to him. Go to him and present yourself to him as an empty vessel for him to fill and your body presented to him for him to use for his glory. This is the path of walking in newness of life in Jesus Christ. It's knowing who we are in Christ, but then it's also presenting ourselves to Christ to be filled and to be used. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have given us your word. Thank you so much that you care so much about us that, that you, you didn't just save us. If you just did that it alone, that is, that is enough. That is unspeakably awesome. But you've also given us this word and you want us to read it and you want us to know who we are in you. And there's so much power so much power available to us when we understand and we believe who we are in you. And so God, would you please take the truth of Romans chapter six and apply it so deeply into our hearts. We are in Christ. We are in Christ. We are in you. We are not the old self. We are not the slave of sin and Adam. We have been, we have been saved. We have been empowered. We have been raised up no longer enslaved to sin. Bless you, Lord.
In Jesus' name, amen.